This episode is sponsored by High and Tight Screen Repair. High and Tight Screen Repair is hands down the best quality screen repair, pool and patio screening, and aluminum builds in Central Florida. You won't find another company around that cares as much as High and Tight. Oh, and did I mention they have unbeatable prices? Call today to get your free quote at 407-885-9385. High and Tight will get you right. Again, that's 407-885-9385. Yo, what's up everybody? Thanks for joining me again. Friends, family, good morning, good evening, whatever time it is. Thanks for joining me again for another episode of Until the Lights Go Out. I am joined today by my best friend that's a guy and my best friend that's a girl, Etienne Doucette and yo, yo. Abigail Doucette. Hi. So Abigail is a CrossFit coach and crushes me at CrossFit anytime that we ever do CrossFit together. So <laughs> I try to avoid that at all costs. Not, not true. Not true. Like 98% true. <laughs> Speaking of CrossFit, we are coming out of the weekend from the CrossFit Games, where, yet again, the two goats, Matt Fraser and Tia Claire Toomey, decided that they were just going to make it look way too easy. and Way too easy. They were just going to dominate, which, to me, it's just isn't right. It's not fair. So, Abigail, give me your takeaway of the CrossFit games and then Etienne, you follow up. Can you just well, give me what you, what you thought about the weekend? Honestly, I felt like a little bored that I was watching Matt and Tia win everything. So I was like, okay, I guess we're really just watching to see who's going to get second and third, who's going to podium because that's really what it came down to. It was like I was watching everyone fight for second and third and then Tia and Matt were just just chilling, doing their thing, no big deal. Just so, running away with it. Yeah, I'm like, okay, when are you guys going to switch to teams or something? Because I'm trying to watch someone fight for first, not second. But other than that, I mean, I thought everybody did pretty well. I was really honestly rooting for Haley um, Adams to place second or third. I wanted her to podium this year because she's – so young and she's coached by the goat and I was just like she just I just want her on the podium but last event she fell into fourth which is still better than what she did yeah she's moving up yeah she's moving up I I think that with her I think that it's a strength um part of it because you can tell she's she's strong for her build but I think that as she gets a little bit older and she's able to put on more body size. She's going to get stronger and stronger. And then, of course, the more she continues to work with Rich and her body matures, I think that she's going to be a problem, especially when Tia's out of there. Yeah. What's crazy is that she's doing so well with not being super strong. Like, normally you have to be pretty 
make strong to even decycle the weights that they give you prescribed for a normal workout. So even if it's not a lifting event, like, I mean, I'm impressed that she's even, you know, in the top five with the aspect of her not being able to lift like a crazy amount. Like, and not only in the top five, she literally came down to the, the last event. It was a make or break. And I think if she doesn't rip her hands, I think that she podiums. Oh, yeah, exactly. So she, I mean, she definitely has that mental game that so many people are missing. Like, that's the thing. Yeah, she has. And I think that's what's crazy is because when you hear Rich and you hear everyone over there at Team Mayhem talk about her, she's had that mindset of, of, of a winner and that she's like she's willing to go to a dark place to win um, before she even got there. And so that's just like a plus for Rich because he can just train her. And then he knows when it comes to in competition, she's not going to break. Like she won't fold. Yeah. Which is crazy. So flipping back over to the guys, we had a rookie podium in Justin Medeiros. What do you think about him? I mean, that's pretty impressive. He's, he's young and killing it already. So I, I didn't know anything about this kid until literally watching the CrossFit games, the top five. Even even in the beginning part of the games where it was virtual, I didn't even know he was a thing until he was in the top five. And I was like, who is this guy? Oh, he's crushing this. He's also got that mental game. He kept up with everyone well. Like, he gave every now and then in, in a few workouts, even Frazier. He kept up with Frazier, which is crazy. Yeah, it's... So- He's good, and I think that it's crazy for him being a rookie and him podium, getting on the podium. I didn't know who he was either until um, I looked at the top five and who was going to go to Aromas. And then they posted a video got posted about him, um, and I watched that and learned a little bit about him. Um, so I'm excited to see what he can do um, in years to come um, and see how much better he can get. I don't think anybody's going to touch Frazier until he decides he wants to be done with it. But maybe maybe Justin can jump up a spot next year and get second. Maybe. What was your outlook on it, Etienne? Yeah, um, honestly, like, looking at CrossFit as someone who has dabbled in the walk of CrossFit but never done CrossFit religiously, <laughs> um, it's just incredible to watch how, like, strong those guys are and, uh, and girls. Like, I was looking at, like, Tia and um, all of them doing their lifting and stuff like that, thinking like, gosh, I don't even know if I can pull or squat that much. Um, the only thing I felt good about was my overhead press. But aside from that, I'm like, nah, there's uh, these guys are pulling 600 pounds and stuff like that. That's just unreal. But I, like watching it, it's kind of was a lot. I thought it was really interesting this year, too, because it was like this year felt even more dominant for Tia and Matt. And I think it's also because when you have five people competing at once, and those are the only ones you're competing with because historically, if those who have ever watched CrossFit Games know, you'll have different waves and different heats. So you have two heats where you'll have the bottom half going and the top half going, um, but you never know what the other heat necessary scored, or you may not know how you keep up or stack up with that heat. So in reality, it's like you're you're kind of pushing yourself, but you're pacing yourself at the same time. Um, but you got to even watch Matt and Tia in multiple different occasions, like literally start to coast at certain spots because they knew they were able to. And they still probably had one of the more dominant performances we've ever seen. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of cool things from Haley Adams and um, Medeiros. But the only thing about those two is they will never, ever, ever, ever win <laughs> until Matt and Dia retire or die. Ever. 
I don't know which one's gonna happen first uh, because they didn't even skip a beat. Like a lot of people talk about um, Frazier's problem is like for a while was the sprints and the cardio and things like that. But gosh, he looked like so good on all the runs, the hill runs and things like that. It looked like he just, he takes what he struggles with and he comes back stronger. And um, I'm actually shocked though with like how Noah Olsen did. I don't like Noah Olsen at all. We don't in this household. Me and Abigail don't. <laughs> To be honest, uh, we're not a fan. Not a fan, just because we just, for a multitude of reasons, but those don't matter right now. But we're just not a big fan of him. And, uh, you know, I actually was really surprised, though, that he he was, he was did as poorly as he did. I mean, because a lot of those endurance and sprints and swims and things, I thought he was going to do really well, but it seemed to be like he would come out the gate really hot, and then he would fizzle out halfway through. Meanwhile, Matt is keeping a good pace, and he's just like a, dude, he's like a train, bro. It just keeps rolling, and it doesn't stop. And so, can we talk about the fact that Noah didn't even do his last snatch? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Noah, if you hear this, your mom. I think that another thing that surprises me, and if you actually watch the event, well, number one, let me bring it up real quick that Frazier won by 545 points. That's, that's against the second place at Samuel Quant. That's just an, yeah, it's outrageous. That's insane. But, and I'm sure the one event that Noah Olsen waited for, and I'm not trying to trash him, but we're just going to go ahead and we're going to beat him <laughs> up a little bit here. He waits for the swimming events every year. He makes it known because he was a swimmer in college, and he finished fourth in that event because they didn't just give him, oh, here's your swim event. Oh, here, swim up to this buoy and swim back, or whatever the case may be. They said, you know, we're going to add – the assault bike in this, and then we're going to do slam balls in this and, you know, and GHC sit-ups. And then you could tell that yeah. first, that first go it was five rounds, I believe. And in the first round, you know, he was flying through it. It was almost like you could tell he had that cockiness about him. Like, Oh, watch me swim. <laughs> but he finished those wall balls and I was watching him and I was looking at his face and I was like, Oh, he's, he's done already. Like yeah. that was it. He, he, he's blown up that's it he's not gonna you know he can't top that round whereas every round he went back a few yeah exactly he fell down and whereas matt was like okay you can win that first round i paced it okay this is a level i can go to and i think that's just like the difference whereas you know noah's noah's strong um but matt knows his body I mean, Matt literally knows exactly where he can go to. Um, and I also don't think – I made a joke about Matt and Tia doing teams next year, but I think Matt yeah. wants to join, the like, the realms of, like, Tom Brady and Michael Jordan yeah. and have six rings. And so. actually on that swim event, um, Frazier didn't even place first. It was – No, Quant. Quant finished first, yeah. But – which – First of all, who is Quant too? Like <laughs> exactly, I've never even heard of him either. So random, and this guy places what second? I think in the overall. And it also look, and then the swim event. Tia Tia Toomey is like a, she's like a fish in the water. She's so fast. She would jump in the water two two and a half seconds behind somebody, and she'd beat them by oh. two two and a half seconds. <laughs> That's crazy. It's ridiculous, and like okay, I'll give you a head start. Yeah, you can go ahead. Yep. Like, I'm going to kind of coast through these GHDs or this bike, and then I'm going to end up passing you. Yeah. Which is absolutely ridiculous. But it's it was a weird year. You know, I really hope that 
everything can go back to to normal. You know, I'd like to see it back in Madison, you know, come next year. And I would like to see – I mean, we know that Frazier and Tia most likely win it again unless for some reason something goes wrong. But it is – like Etienne was saying, I would watch Tia on the very first event would go and she would do, you know, her her bar work, go back to the um, do her muscle ups and she'd just sit there and wait. And she was watching Haley Adams and she goes, OK, she's got like one left. OK, I'll start doing my muscle ups now, yeah. which is insane because you could actually watch the field. Yeah. And so I don't That's think that really had too much to do with how dominant they were. But, yeah. and then to top it off, they won by so big that those two did the final workout, which was ridiculous. They did it together. Yeah. And then. And they looked like they were taking their sweet time and they still finished like high up there. They they 100% coasted. <laughs> 100% coasted. They did not care. And still Matt. If they wanted to win, they could have won that event. They were just coasting through it. And I'm pretty sure... Did Matt did Matt win that event? I'm pretty sure. Matt did. Matt won it. That's ridiculous. And it didn't even look like he was trying. Yeah. And he waited for Tia. That's insane. Absolutely insane. Two goats. It's crazy, like Matt and Tia almost look like they coast through every event. I know. They look so composed and like just like smart about everything they do so they're not like killing themselves well it's bad when both of them are like especially when it was like certain times they'd be like oh how did how did matt place in that or how did tia place in that because it's not them competing against their opponents anymore they're competing against each other yeah like who can win the most events like (laughs) that's what i start watching Like, like that's how the weekend went is i was like watching those two, who's going to win the most events out of those two, you know, it's like that. And then who's going to come in second and third place, like who's going to podium with these two, but let's see who can win out of these two. It's insane. I love it so much. And I personally don't mind watching them dominate, but. What do we think about the playing field? Oh, like, go ahead. This year, like of who all actually made top five. Well, better. I don't think that it could have been better because I would say if like, if it was some like random draw or something of that sort, I think that then it could have been better. But I say, I think all five earned their spot because everyone had to do the same thing. You know, I could, I would say where it would have been a problem to me is if like these five earned their spot off of sanctionals uh, because then it's like, oh, well, they didn't have to do this type of workout. So how are they in the top five? Or they didn't have to do this type of workout. You know, yeah. they had to go do a first part of what was considered the CrossFit Games, which then yeah. got, you know, the five men and the five women to go there. Um, but I think that if, you know, there's certain people I thought that would be there um, that weren't. And... I think that's, you know, who knows? Like I said, maybe that's just how good they are. You know what I wonder, I was thinking about, is how they're, like, the cross, everything was kind of unknown about when the games was actually going to be, and it kept, it was, like, getting pushed back, and um, 
nobody knew anything about it. Like nobody could prepare for it. I wonder how many athletes actually decided, you know what, I'm going to take this year off so that I actually get an off season and can recover from like injuries or whatever. And then come back next year. So like if that took any other like top athletes out of the mix, cause they were like, might as well just sit this one out because it's so up in the air. Yeah. You know I mean? Well, yeah. Like Patrick Bellner, he didn't say it before the first part, but they came out and said it and like, actually like he's going to get something done on it, but he had a groin injury. And so he, there are certain things he couldn't even do. Um, you know, throughout it because he was hurting so bad. Um, but, you know, I think like, I think Chandler Smith, I think some of the workouts that happened, I think I would have rather seen him in there just because yeah. I think he could have, you know, I think he'd have fared a little different in them. Um, I think if he did like the run where they had to do the 5k there and then when they got there and, um, Dave Castro said, okay, now run it again. Like, run it the other oh, way. Yeah. I think that someone like Chandler Smith, you know, he could have tested, you know, with that run because of his background in the service. <laughs> um, you know, and then I think if Patrick Vellner was in there healthy, he could have had, you know, the heavier weight stuff. So, I don't know. There's a bunch yeah. of – it's kind of hard because we're trying to pick and choose, like, this, like, perfect combo of, like, okay, who could have did what to, like – knock Frazier down a little bit yeah um but that is true because if you get someone in there that can run and you put you know Frazier in third place and then you get someone there with really good strength and it knocks him down then it makes it a little bit more fun um did you notice in the video of uh that run whenever Castro told um yeah turn around and the first thing Matt Frazier did was give him the middle finger. <laughs> he, he didn't believe him. He knelt, he kneeled he down too. And he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like you're going to start losing. <laughs> Turn yeah. Around. He said, you're going to, you're, he goes, you're already losing. Justin's already running. Yeah. yeah I was he like, gave, he gave him a fat old middle finger. <laughs> he did. He flipped him off and then um, hey. knelt down. Yeah, That's... I would definitely had to tell that man, bro. I would have had to show him how fit these hands are. Finna hit him. Mouth. I think I would have gave him the same reaction that Fraser gave him. I'm just gonna have to be honest. That with you. That's funny. That's hard, bro. You you tell someone to run three miles and they run at a three mile pace. If you ever run, like, and you know how far you're running, you know how to pace yourself. You know your body. So when you run at three miles, like you pace yourself accordingly, and then you have to turn around and run back another three miles. Like you used yeah. all your gas. Like you you out. That's like that's like you have half a tank because you're saying you're going to McDonald's. Yeah. And you end up going to the McDonald's two hours away. You ain't going to make it. And for the people that don't, that for the people that are listening, this isn't a flat ground 5K. This is a trail run. Like they're running through just, if you're listening to this, just please just go look up the trail run at the ranch at the, like yeah. for the CrossFit games because it's gross. Yeah. But honestly, like that's really what the CrossFit games is all about. Like having an event where it's kind of unknown and then, that's when you're really being tested when you, you know, like you said, you're running at a three mile pace and when you're done, you think you're done. But then to have someone say, Nope, turn around and run it again. It's like, can you, can you keep that up, you know, to stay ahead? Or are you going to fall behind because you wasted everything in your tank? Yeah. Are you going to fall off? And that's very Dave Castro esque is to, to really, you know, 
That's what I'm saying. Mentally, too. It's honestly, though, watching it, it really is like mind blowing to me. Like, even I think those smallest details that I think that, like, when I was watching them, you know, such as like the bike event, them riding the bike on grass. You know what I mean? Like, it's different than if they were to be doing the event on, like, say, concrete or asphalt. And, you know, when they're riding on that, you know, you can kind of really get going on that. But if you pedal too hard in grass, if you ever rode a bike on grass, if you pedal too hard, your tires will skid. Yeah. And so you kind of have to know how to pace that. And it's a harder push going through grass. You know, I think that Dave Castro did a really good job of of programming. And I'm really glad I didn't have to do any of them. I feel like this games was like the hardest. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've seen programming so hard. Well, the last event was insane to me, yeah. you know. It's so like, I, hey, Dave, all right. Yeah, it's like, Dave, what are, you, what are you trying to do here? Like, what point are you trying to prove? There's five guys here, and I think that only one's going to be living when this is done. He and, might have been on something when he was programming for this year's games. Cause and you, you could tell which ones are, like, Brooke Wells and was it, it was Quant um, in the last event. They were, like, oh, like yeah. 80 something or higher um, reps behind, which is insane. They were still, I think everyone was running and they were still doing, um, they're still doing like pull ups. And um, like that's just insane to me. It really they didn't is. Start their run until most everybody was done. Yeah, that's, <laughs> oh my goodness. I, it really is. I'm at a loss for words because of just how fit those two are. Um, but in all reality, I know like we're looking at it because it was another event and we had so much time in between the first like the first half of the CrossFit Games and the second half. But you know, all five men and all five women, they are top five, you know, out there. So they have nothing to hang their head about. They're all yeah. competitors, so everyone wants to win. But, you know, even just, you know, you have to understand that this was for the fittest man and the fittest woman on earth. And you can go back and say you were no less than the fifth fittest person on earth. Yeah. So why the, the, there would be a little bit of a mental battle afterwards. If you did place fifth, just because technically it's like you could have not even showed up and still place fifth. Yeah. But you went through all of that. You went through all of that for fifth place. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be difficult. For Definitely, sure. two of the most dominant championship of any levels or any sports you ever watched. Definitely, two of the highest performances of all time. I mean, just the most dominant performances. Well, that's why I put him on a put it up a few him. episodes back. I put Matt Fraser on um, top five most dominant athletes. Oh, if yeah. people don't believe me, you definitely haven't watched him. I know you haven't watched him if you don't believe me, because. Yeah. He's on another level. Absolutely on another level. Oh, yeah. Speaking of another levels, let's talk about this guy. Let's talk about him. I know where we're going with this. Listen, Go ahead. Here's the deal. I don't like him. I just don't. I mean, Khabib, mad respect, bro. Honestly, one of the greatest fighters to ever do it. I mean, I was so sad when he dismantled Conor McGregor. And I mean, just dismantled him and just destroyed this man. 
Like this weekend when I was watching him fight Gaethje, I really thought Gaethje stood a chance. Honestly, I picked him in the second round. I was like, Gaethje going to put him to sleep. Um, but when I got out there and he made Gaethje look like a little boy, like I don't even want to say like he he didn't struggle anywhere. He didn't like have any problems. It was like Gaethje was sticking him in the chin and it's like Khabib's big old fat head was just eating it. And like at the end of the day, I'm just looking at it like this guy is so good. And the craziest part about it is, like, I felt so bad for the guy in the end. Like, when he kind of admits to, like, how his father passed away and he doesn't want to fight anymore in the United States without, you know, his father coming with him and how hard it had been. And, like, that made me want to root for the guy now. And I'm like, dude, what is this mumbo-jumbo? And Yeah, like, when he won and then after he wins, he just, like, he, he you know, kneeled down to pray. And he just lost it. You could see his body just like, like it's crazy that that's the toughest battle that he's had within the, in a UFC octagon. And it was a battle within his own self, which is insane. And, you know, going, don't get me wrong. I love Floyd Mayweather. Always have, always will. To me, greatest boxer of all time. But, there's something different. I don't care about, you know, 50 wins, you know, stuff like that. 29 and 0 in MMA is so much harder than 50 and 0 in boxing. It's harder than 100 and 0 in boxing. You're going in there and you're fighting another man with 4 ounce gloves on and you're th- you're slinging leather in any given moment. You know, and also to speak on what you're saying, and this isn't like as being like a Conor McGregor fan, but when you really do go back and you watch that fight, he he did beat up Connor. I mean, he handled him. I think I think that ten out of ten times could be beats Connor. But when you look at certain things that Connor did within that fight, he didn't do horrible. I'd say that he put oh. up you know a, the tough, maybe second to Iaquinta, but he put up a tough fight for you know Habib and. So, you know, as for that, though, it just shows you that I don't even think Habib has lost a minute, you know, inside the octagon. That's ridiculous. Um, And so it does suck, you know, that he's retiring. Um, I would love to see him. I'd love to see him go on. Um, You know, there's this whole who's the goat talk going on. Between him, John Jones, uh, you know, Anderson Silva, you know, I think that in all reality, it's kind of like the talks of going to what we talked about with like Jordan and LeBron. And you said this to me the other day, um, I think we're on the video game, we're on the phone. And you said, just respect greatness. Yeah. Just respect it. You know. Don't get me wrong. I don't care if those dudes want to argue over, you know, being the GOAT or whatever the case may be. Um, But just be the GOAT at your weight class and let's just move on with this because I just love watching. I love watching these guys fight. You know, you got Anderson fighting Uriah Hall this weekend, which is said to be his last fight in the UFC, which breaks my heart because he's my favorite athlete of all time. Um, but let's just, 
let's respect greatness while we got it in front of us. Yeah. And I think that I kind of failed at doing that with Habib. Um, and I wish I had really respected his art more um, for what he does and how dominant he is. Yeah, no, no. And I, I agree with that. I think that it's, you know, you got to give him a lot of respect. Uh, John Jones will still always be my goat. Um, and that's just how it is. And I think you would definitely say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you would still call Anderson your goat. It's just one of those times where, like, we're respecting Khabib for what he is and who he is. And, like, man, he's run through some really good opponents. And I agree. I think he's been so dominant for for so long. Um, you know, I, I wish we could have gotten to see him fight more. I know he had a lot of injuries and a couple of weight things that happened. I know Tony knows a lot. I'm not saying he didn't fight a lot. I'm saying I wish we could have saw him. You know, I wish we could have seen the Tony Ferguson fight ever happen. Of course, and, yeah. You know, but that'll always be the fight that never happened, you know? And, and it's kind of is what it is. And so – you know, all that being said, uh, that's really all there is to that, man. I mean, that fight was so, so dominant. You just watch Gaethje get like, you saw Gaethje made it to the second, but just barely. Because that first round, after Gaethje got hit a couple times, it was just like, he just, he was done. I mean, he just really was done. He like, he felt the hands and just was like, I don't know if I could do this, which I'm not just throwing this out there, but makes me a little nervous. Not nervous, but makes me wonder, you know, if Connor and Gaethje got in there, if Connor could knock his head off a little bit because he didn't seem to like to get punched in the face too much. And so, well, I think that I have to disagree with that only because I have watched Gaethje fight and Gaethje will go to war with you. I think that there is a difference. So I think that Gaethje would stand and bang with Connor because he knows Connor's not going to take him down. With Gaethje, I think that it was constant. Like, that's what happens when you fight Habib is he's going to stand there and fight you. But it's like, if he takes me down, he pinches, you know, he pinches your legs together. You can't move. You're done. Yeah. You're paralyzed. Like, you're on the ground. You're stuck. You're there. And he is going to punch you in the face, and he's going to talk to Dana White while he's punching you in the face. And it's honestly insane. It was no – there was no contest within there. But what was a contest, and I, and I have to bring this up to you and ask you your opinion – which we know how your opinion goes on teams. So depending on how this goes, we'll see what happens within the rest of the year. <laughs> a contest that did happen was the Arizona Cardinals versus the Seattle Seahawks. Are yes. the Arizona Cardinals for real? Yeah, I think so, honestly, because I have Kyler Murray is, and I've said this at the beginning of the season, and I still got a tweet and a screenshot say for it, and I'll, I'll unleash that when the time comes. Um, that of all the players upcoming this year that I had him picked is like my kind of sleeper MVP candidate. I think when you give him the, the arguably the best receiver in football right now, DeAndre Hopkins, which I would say right now he is, um, you, you're really going to get to see him explode and shine. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's such a good playmaker, and I feel like he's such an underdog that he has such a good fight in him, um, that his ability to make plays with his feet, but his ability to just really make the tough throws, I think that's what really impresses me, uh, impresses me with him. And it's like it's almost as if like watching him play, you can tell that players like playing for him, and that's a big deal for a young guy because sometimes you see young guys like Sam Darnold, who I don't think players really look like they want to play with him, um, even though he's struggling obviously. But man, Kyler Murray had three hundred and sixty yards and three touchdowns. And don't get me wrong, I know, you know that Seattle's defense is not anything special, but man, he also toted the rock for fourteen times for sixty-seven yards and a touchdown too. He accounted for four touchdowns and over four hundred and fifty yards of offense on his own. Um, or almost 450 yards of offense on his own. So when I look at that, it's like, man, he outplayed Russell Wilson. 
Um, the only thing we do have to talk about else in this game, though, is why Tyler Lockett. And I know who you are. You're out there, and I know you went to you were about to go to bed, and you were about to start this game, and you thought it's Monday night or it's Sunday night. Man, I have they have one player. They have Tyler Lockett. I'm up by 40 points. I can't possibly lose. I'm good. And then all of a sudden, Tyler Lockett drops 50 something fantasy points in your team, and you lose. Oh, by the way, that was me. Sorry, uh, that happened to me. And so, man, now, that was a- I have to ask you a question. Yes. I want to see how good your memory is. Yes. Because I remember there was an NFL draft that was coming up. And there was a guy by the name of Kyler Murray that was coming out. Yes. And I was told that he was too small. Yeah. That's what I was told by a couple of friends in my friend group. And I had the argument that I didn't think – I thought he was small. But in the NFL today, you can't touch a quarterback. And that was my argument. But I got an argument back that he was too small. Do you remember who that might have been? I can't think right now. Um, I don't remember. I think I know. But the thing about it is, calling small if you want to doesn't matter. The guy's moving around the pocket. He's able to make plays. I mean, watching him time and time again, like he reminds me of like a, a Drew Brees. I mean, it's time that we get over the stigmas of height and get over the stigmas of you know, hand size, what a joke. Like, I don't care how big your hands is. If you can zip a football, you're good. Like, you don't need to have, you know, extra large hands. It's stupid. So it's like, dude, who cares? And so let this guy play football. So that was a really good game, though. That game was insane. I mean, yeah, that was a fun game to watch. Fun game to watch. And I think that it's time to, if you're an NFL fan and you're not a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you should probably start getting worried because that team is just, like, I was just looking at that at that team. I mean, I got their defense, um, you know, on my fantasy team. And so I was like, you know, they're balling out, of course, like they're scoring me points. Um, and, and, you know, people look at that game against Tennessee and they're like, Oh, well, it was a close game. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, Derek Henry and the boys made it a close game late. But, and when I honestly think that the Steelers were up so big that they probably did start to coast a little bit, which they yeah. shouldn't do because they're pros. But the Steelers are starting to look for real. They are just absolutely yeah. hooping out there. And Chase Claypool, that man is a freak. I mean, he yeah. is. I, I don't have any other way to, to put it. Yeah, man. I mean, you're watching these guys, a lot of young receivers on his his on on that Steelers team really balling out. Um, Deontay Johnson, you got uh, – people forget that Eric Ebron's there. Um, as well as um, – yeah, Chase Claypool had a big week a couple weeks ago. And then um, – but man, watching this, watching this guy play, watching Big Ben play, I mean, think about it. They beat a good Tennessee team. Um, you know, I don't know why everyone doesn't realize it, but Tennessee's a pretty legit team. I mean, what else do we need to prove other than last year and this year? And um, you know, Big Ben threw three interceptions, but still, like they found a way to dominate in that game. Really, like you said, like they didn't, they didn't start to struggle until the end. And they, I don't even, like you said, I don't think they were struggling. I think they were more coasting. Yeah. Um, and, and you get those garbage yard, garbage time touchdowns in, in field goals because they go to that prevent defense, which I think is the devil. Why would you ever go to prevent defense? I feel like you should just play defense unless it's like, you know, 10 seconds left and it's a Hail Mary try or something. And, and even in that, even in that sense, I don't think that it's just like, I think it's just put your ballers out there, put who can jump the highest out there um, and say, I mean, I guess you could call it, I, I guess technical terms, it would be prevent defense. But I remember my grandfather could not stand prevent defense. I mean, if there was one thing that he would – I mean, he always griped about the Packers, win or lose. But 
when they would go into prevent defense, oh, that man's blood would boil. Because it yeah. doesn't make sense. Just play your defense. If it's not if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I think I think another thing I want to bring to attention, and I'm just gonna say it, and this may be a curse, but I did not curse Ohio State. You're welcome, Wolf. Um, I was right. Um, even though they all got COVID now. Uh, but what I will say this is, and I hate to say this, but it's the truth, man. Like I think you're starting to see the Bucks be what they're gonna be this year. I think you're gonna start to see you see Tom Brady. Um, start to really mold that offense and he's got those guys bought in and I think you're starting to see that he's running the offense the way that he wants to run it and as I'm watching the Patriots self-destruct and I'm watching Tom Brady soar I'm watching Tom Brady change the system to what he likes and then I'm watching Bill Belichick struggle to 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 fix a system without Brady and man again call what you want I think it was the perfect matchmaker in heaven I think it was to a great coach and it's kind of like Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan like I think Michael Jordan would have been great without Phil Jackson. I think Phil Jackson would have been good without Michael Jordan. But I think together they were perfect for each other. And so, but at the end of the day, it's starting to look really weird as if Tom Brady might have been the reason that that Super Bowl team or those the, that dynasty was as good as it was. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head with that. They're like, it's, start, it's starting to look that way too, is that, you know, it was a, it was a perfect duo. Like they were the, the perfect mix together. Um, I do think that Brady has a lot like that he's wanting to play for. I think like the reason that I'm not saying that Belichick is that reason. I think that Belichick, it's not that he doesn't care. He's a winner. He wants to win, but I think he looks at what he has and like the Patriots, like 90% of defense was like, no, we're good. We're not going to play this year. Um, and then Brady is like, no, I got a chip on my shoulder. Like I'm trying to show everybody that I can win it you know, without him, which is huge. Like I give the utmost respect, the utmost kudos to that man, you know, go out there and hoop. And, um, you know, it's not even just that offense, bro. That Bucks defense is nasty. I mean, they are playing like the last Super Bowl Bucks. Like they are just hooping, bro. It's insane. Craziest part about that is aside from a couple rookies, that defense didn't change. And that's the thing about it too is again, that defense has people that are just bought in. Sue Yeah, like, they're bought in. Uh, JPP's bad guys like that. Levante David is one of the most underrated linebackers in football. And you got all these guys that are just playing good football right now. And it's like it that really does stem from a great quarterback, a great leader, and somebody who is going out there and not turning the football over. Like as much as we want to talk about Jameis, I mean, gosh, you're right. Last year he led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. But he also through an interception every other touchdown pass. And it's like, that's not a way that you can get efficient football done. And that puts too much pressure on your defense. And it's like Tom Brady doesn't turn the football over carelessly. Um, uh, you know, that's what you're seeing from him. You're seeing the, the, the methodical football where Tom Brady's making plays and he's not beating you with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He's beating you with Scotty Miller and he's beating you with um, – uh, Tyler Johnson and Ronald Jones. He's not beating you with the two best, some of their best weapons on there. But it's also, we also have to add that they just added Antonio Brown, which if he isn't a problem to that team, they are just only going to get better. But one thing I have to go ahead and say, I don't know who's going to listen to this. I don't know if anyone that listens to this is going to be Bucks fans, but whenever Brady does throw a pick or he does something wrong, please stop. Usain Bolt sprinting to social media and going, oh, 
I thought that it was just Jameis. I thought it was just Jameis. Yeah. They all make mistakes. There's a difference in mistakes when a receiver doesn't make a, you know, doesn't make a play because Brady is running a system over there. He's not out yeah. there running around like Kyler Murray and them and making plays happen. He's running a system. He wants a guy at a point on the field at that very millisecond that he throws that ball. And if that receiver didn't do it right and it goes for a pick six, stop trying to compare the man to Jameis Winston. Jameis yeah. Winston is an athlete, yes. But the thing about it is, is he's a backup for a reason. Stop trying to say, oh, I thought it was just Jameis. It was just Jameis. It always was and always will be. Stop running the social media. It's stupid, and you're making yourself look like an idiot and act like, and seem like you don't know sports. Yeah, Jameis Winston peaked in college football for Florida State under Jimbo Fisher with the great defense led by Derwin James. We're not even, you know, who cares? You know, it is what it is. It's over yeah, if it's gone. That's really, that's, that's really that. So we do have to talk about something for just a moment. That makes me kind of mad, but we got to talk about it is. Bro, me and you, if people don't know this, I don't know, maybe someone may listen to this from out of state or may not know us personally. That's cool. We love your support. We're glad you're here. Well, me and John, you know, me and Jay Bizzle here, we have grown up in Florida. Okay. I was born in Texas, but grew up in Florida and we grew up in central Florida. Okay. And here's the deal. There's something about Florida where no matter what, like you're doing or what you're going through, like no matter who you're really a fan of, you still pull for local teams. You just do because it's just like, uh, it's just what you do. Like we're Florida Gator fans, obviously, and we're Tampa Bay Ray fans and we're Tampa Bay Lightning fans. Um, I'm obviously a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, but that's just different. But when you watch a team like the Rays, and man, we were watching this series happen, and it was exciting, and it was fun, and we're watching some great players. Man, uh, ours arena, oh my gosh, dude, like, dude is a rookie and, like, hit the most RBIs in a playoff, like, just balling out. And then we watch out there, and you got a great pitcher, right? You have Snell's out there. Snell's out there pitching, okay? He's not letting up any hits in the sixth. Finally, he lets up two hits, right? Not even scores, just two hits. His second hit, he let up, and Cash walks out and pulls him. Yeah. What happens after he pulls him? Well, the reliever comes in, throws a wild pitch, home plate gets stolen, and then he lets up another run. We end up losing this game 3-1, and that's the series. Now, I have to ask you something, John. I know it's your show, but I just have to ask you this because I've already talked about this to a lot of people, and I don't even want to talk about it much more because my, it makes me sick, okay? Okay. Tampa Bay fans, we are sick right now. What's the bigger choke? Cash pulling out his ace in the last game, potentially the World Series? Or Pete Carroll throwing the ball without even having um, – or th- without running the ball to Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl on the one-yard line? Oh, man. Um, Who choked harder? That's a tough one. I would say – I want to hear what Pike has to say. Pike is going to come back on, and he said he has some information for us on that. And so I want to hear what he has to say. But I personally think that I would have to go with Pete Carroll choked more because whereas don't get me wrong, like, you know, things are being proven by, you know, you have other pitchers for a reason. And so he had belief in them. And don't get me wrong, he had, Pete Carroll had belief in that pass. But I think that everyone, everyone, including Patriots fans, everyone was like, why didn't he give it to beast mode? Yeah. Whereas I don't think that everyone was like, like such as I think that Pike is going to have a little bit of a different outlook 
on you know on him pulling him. Um, right. Whereas he thought that it was a good move. I could be wrong, but just from the few text messages we went back and forth, I think that he's going. You know, I think he's going to have some real good insight. Um, but I personally think that Pete Carroll. I think both are really stupid. That's just my personal yeah. opinion. I don't. I've never pitched a day in my life, so I don't actually know. But Pete Carroll, you take the trophy home. For my pick. Yeah, there there was a game plan probably within that game where he knew that as soon as Smell got hit on a couple times or he knew that, like, maybe he had a time, a pitch clock or a pitch count on him and maybe knew in the sixth inning he was going to pull him anyways regardless. Uh, I get that, and that's part of baseball. That's the part of the analytics of baseball. If you ever seen the movie Moneyball, you kind of get that. It's not about, like, the feeling of the game. It's about the numbers of the game. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, um, you know, the probability is once he lets up two hits – maybe his pitching starts to dwindle slowly or fast, or maybe after he lets up a couple of hits, he immediately starts to tank. And they, they look at that analytically and realize that. And regardless, though, you don't pull the guy in that situation. That's all I got to say about that. And uh, But, yeah, Pike, I can't wait to hear what you got to say because uh, I know you're listening this far because you're, you're just so loyal, and I appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my two cents. I'd love to have Pike next week. We talk a little bit more about that. That would be cool. Yeah, I would like to. I want to hear what he has to say. And, uh, you know, go a little bit more in depth from him being, you know, in the pros and he can give us a little better understanding. Because to me, like just from, you know, from a viewer's, you know, a viewer's standpoint, I was like, what are you like, what are you doing here? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, that was that that was a tough blow there. But I thought it was funny because, you know, the Dodgers won. I get the troll. So I'm here for yeah. it. As long as it's not the Astros. So I darn, I wish it had been. Gosh, you know how many trolls I'd have got off if it was Astros. Whew. Anyways, you can't talk about the Astros cheating because your goat of the UFC was a cheater too and took steroids. So right. cheaters always prosper. Until so they speaking of steroids and a group of humans, <laughs> but going on, we are going to have a top five this week that was Brought to our attention by our little buddy, our little homie, G-Man. Inspired by the G-Man. If y'all know about this guy, y'all gonna know about him one day. He is a flag football all-star, a soccer all-star. The man just gets buckets. He's a wrestler. He's gonna... I guarantee you see him in the WWE one day. Yeah. Listen, he does it all. He does MMA. He does way more than I've ever done. Don't forget about us once you make it, okay? Yeah, buddy. Remember me throwing you touchdown passes on the flag football field, please. Please. So, we are going to do our top five WWF or WWE, which is, I always mess up and forget to say, wrestlers of all time. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you the stand. I'm going to let you do your top five. You can tell us if they're in order, if they're not in order, and then I'll yeah. give mine. All right, I'll I'll give my mine real quick, and I'm going to give a quick synopsis on each one. Um, and this is not really in a particular order, but kind of is. So number five for me was Undertaker. I think you have to respect the Undertaker. I think he's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. What he did at WrestleMania with his winning streak, and everyone felt it when he finally lost. It was brutal. It was terrible, and uh, no one wanted that. Uh, my next, I have John Cena. Man, I just love John Cena because I remember like watching him when he used to battle with Edge and Randy Orton, and it was like a really big deal because that's about the time I was really into wrestling, um, and it was just so interesting to watch those guys always going back and forth for the title. And I was like, John Cena already ready, always like 
picked up dudes like Mark Henry over it, like put him on his fireman's carry basically. Did the did his special to him and the big show and Rocky, all these guys and uh what's the great Kali? This is those guys are huge dudes and to put them on I don't care I don't care if it's fake or not, you still have to really lift someone over your head and throw them over your head. That's insane. Um next was Jeff Hardy, bro. That man's walk in dance, come on man, you already know. If you know, you know. That man's walk in dance went so hard, bro. And when that man would just swanton dive off of cages and thing, bro. Dude, we'd be at home with my brothers. I'd be straight swanton dining off the bed. Just straight drop kicking my brother. Um, the last two, though, it's kind of a duo. Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Nothing was better than DX, man. I don't care what anyone says. DX, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, when they reunited and started again, they were going against, like, the Spirit Squad and some of those guys. Bro, I'm telling you, man. Nothing was better than watching someone get kicked in the mouth. <laughs> music. And then watching them get pedigreed at the same time. And, uh, man, nothing better. That Those are my top five for sure. So, my top five is number five. You said him. Undertaker. You got to have him in there. The man's 114 years old and he's still wrestling. <laughs> you know, still doing the thing. I don't even think he has but three strands of hair left. And he's still out there doing it. Um you know, number four is the Stone Cold Steve Austin. Man's a goat. Whenever hey. that glass would shatter, I don't care who you were. You had chill bumps on top of your chill bumps when he was coming out. Um, number three, I'm honestly probably going to get crushed for this top five, to be honest, because I'm going to let you know right now I don't have the rock in it, and I feel bad for it. Okay, um, and mine either. No, number three. This one, my top three is a bias, is biased picks. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know right now because they just, to me, um, are my favorite. But number three is Sting. That man, when he would fly down from the Raptors and would just go in there like Barry Bonds and just start smacking dudes with a Louisville slugger, bro, there was nothing like it. And then when he had the red and black face, bro, Hey, Sting, that was the man. Sting's bro. a goat. Number two, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. And number one, Triple H. Like you said, I got a song for it. Are you ready? <laughs> Listen, when you'd hear that and that, them green lights would come flaring out there, bro, nothing like it. Um, honorable mentions, The Rock, Ric Flair. Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, you just, it goes on, man. There's so many. It's hard to pick this list, but that's my top five. There's your top five. Um, again and again and again, I appreciate you coming on, you know, doing your thing, chatting it up with me, bro. Um, guys, shirts are being made. Shirts are being made? Shirts are being made. They're on the way. They're very, very limited, um, you know, so get them while you can. We don't have too many of them. We will be making more, but go ahead and get them while you can. Get that, you know, that first one so you can be able to say you got it if you care that much. If not, well, then, oh, well. Etienne, love you, dude. Um, Thank love you, man. You. Hey, glad to be here. Guys, tune in with us next week. <laughs>